We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 368. Late night for a lot of people, late night for the Yankees. I don't know if you saw this, all the beat writers tweeting out that they were tarped and ready to go in case the Rays lost last night. That would have clinched the division. They didn't. Got to wait another night. Oh, I personally jinxed it. You didn't see that? You didn't see that I was uh, going back? At Lin- Lindsay Adler tweeted a picture of um, Brandon Cuddy from NJ.com in... It was against a green screen, and he was wearing a green jacket. And I'm sorry, but I just can't let that I can't let that picture be there and then not do something with it. So I, of course, went in and did the chroma key and put like the uh, the 2017 uh, wild card bottle spraying celebration all over him. Yeah, and uh, and effectively jinxed so that we couldn't clinch last That's night. Okay. I was trying to do this on, I was trying to do that on purpose yeah, because, because at the end of the day we need the Dodgers to lose, don't we? Well, no, and not not only that, but um I just hate clinching when you don't win that game. It feels dirty. Right. It feels wrong. The Yankees are going to clinch the division anyway. So right. That's a foregone conclusion at this point. So I would rather If they lose the division, it's on me. <clears throat> yeah. I'll take that. So okay, so if they lose the rest of the rest of the way, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. But unless that happens, they're going to win the division. So you just want it to be on a win so you can not have to worry about what the other team is doing and not have to worry about the other team, which is playing a later game than you, which is like an extra wrinkle in all of this. I tweeted out yesterday morning. I was like, you know, this could be weird. 
Yankees lose tonight and their game's over at 9 30, 10 o'clock, and then they're sticking around until midnight to watch the end of the Rays game, which is exactly what happened. That thing went to it's extra exactly innings. Yep. And it's like, okay, so they were going to pop bottles. That's not really fun. Like, wouldn't you rather just get a win, walk off the field, and then be able to pop bottles? That That is how it should be done, and that's what's going to happen hopefully tonight. That's exactly right. With with win number 100, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all very symbolic and beautiful. I think that's why it needs to happen in that way. So um, I'm glad that the Rays came back and won last night. Kenley Jansen, I think, blew his eighth save of the year. Like, that guy is definitely penetrable at this point. Um, and the Dodgers are, uh, you know, again, look at big picture. We want the Dodgers to lose games. I don't care about the Rays. Yeah, the Yankees are ahead of the Dodgers right now for home field. So if it's it gets, only by a if game, it gets, I think if it gets that far, I, I, I can't think that far down the road. I'm, I'm no, but but at the same time, like I don't care if the Rays win a game or two. No, at this point. oh no, like I'd rather the Dodgers lose that game. Not not at all. And the Yankees do have the tiebreaker with the Dodgers. Um, I'm I'm still looking at what Houston is doing more closely. Yeah. Because the Yankees need to finish a game up on them to get home field. And I think, frankly, I think home field against Houston is more important than home field against the Dodgers in the World Series. No, I understand that. But, you know, looking, uh, just looking at everything, because I feel like at this point, we can't be selective about what we're looking at. Let's just, let's just hope for the best in all circumstances, right? Yeah, there, Uh, I mean, there's a scenario. Win the AL East, that's number one, like, and have a better record than everybody, period. Sure. There's a scenario, though, where they finish ahead of Houston, but... Right. under the Dodgers. So they would have home field in the ALCS, but not in the World Series. And I would take that over not having home field in the ALCS and then home field in the, in the World Series. Fine. If there's a gun to my head and you're asking me which one I need to be home field, I would rather get out of the East and get to the World Series and let the chips fall where they And the Yankees that proved that they can, they played yeah. in, because for apps, I think it's more of a home game in Los Angeles for the Yankees than it is in Houston. Oh, definitely. So there's a, there, it's, uh, who knows what there's the some semblance is. of it. I mean, the, the, the there, Dodgers a crap ton of Yankee fans in Los Angeles that will be yes. at those games. If there's a world series, that's not the, the case in Houston. The Dodgers fan base is extremely strong and they're huge, but there are people that can infiltrate and there are a lot of Yankee fans out there because it's such a transient city. Right. So there's a lot of New Yorkers out in that area that will show up to those games, yeah. even though the Dodgers Fan base is is, is thick oh, and they travel and too. Like we've and they we've seen them travel, but I think there's more Yankee fans. There's more Dodger. What was I going to say? There's more Yankee you, fans in Los Angeles than Dodger fans in New York. Even though the Dodgers used yeah. to be in New York, long time ago. I know. Long. I mean, maybe maybe ago. that's not true, and maybe all the Dodger fans who are still in New York are ninety years I, old, so they're not going to <laughs> they're true. not going to a baseball game, or they're no longer. That's that's the other thing. All right, but no, they they, they definitely travel. They definitely travel. I mean, that flag, you'll never... Oh, and I found out details about that flag, too. I was talking to some of the, uh, some of the, the Yankees ticket guys about that, too. Apparently, they all came in with, like, little pieces of that flag and zipped it all together. That, I mean, I, I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> so do I. I was like, damn, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, we've of got, work. We've gotten in the stadium with some stuff that otherwise yeah. is not normally let into the stadium. Nothing illegal. But uh, stuff that it's just Yankee security doesn't want in in the field, whether it's flags or, or camera or whatever it may be. But uh, I'd imagine you could get that flag rolled up. It doesn't look that big. Oh, that the one that they had was huge. It was like an oh, entire I know. section. Was, I know it was huge, but if you roll that thing up, it could fit in a duffel bag, right? Maybe. There's like a body in there. I mean, that's, that's something big. It's, 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 it's a body. It's a big ass flag. a body in. You can smuggle a body into Yankee Stadium easier than a flag. So it was like yeah. probably in strips and then they zipped it up? 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess it was in strips, or I'm thinking like I'm, I'm it can't all be like squares. That that would that's, be that's, way too hard. <laughs> but no, they. Uh, it must have been in strips. I'm, been, I'm trying to find that online. I'm trying to find out where I can get that flat. That would have been funny if they zipped it up and realized like the pieces were out of order <laughs> and the L and the A didn't make sense. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking at how the playoffs are starting to shape up because it's it's getting that time. And when the Yankees or Houston are going to get the one seed. Uh, they're going to get the winner of the wild card, which is at this point in time Tampa and Oakland, and that game will be, I think, in Oakland, which, which I think is good news for if the Yankees are the one seed because then the winner of that game is flying back to the East Coast. Um, otherwise, the Yankees, if they're the two seed, are playing Minnesota, who's kind of like the sleeper in all this. Like Minnesota, yeah. Is? Like, are we? I saw you were joking told- that you're you're worried about the Twins now because they have our old friend Ronald Torres on their you, team. You think this is a joke? You think this is a joke? You don't think that I I think that he's a magical little good, good luck charm? Because I mean that sounds demeaning. Magical little. It sounds like you're calling well, him. Well, like I mean you a went there. I don't know why. Something. I don't know why you had to go there. Like I'm picturing you know, just a figure. Like he's like a little speech. hobbit that like he's your he's your mascot. Your good luck. He's charm. not Pedro's. He's not Pedro's little midget guy. It's not sitting you on. Can't say the M word anymore. I'm sorry. The um, but he's a he's one of those just you know he's a he's a very likable character because yeah. that's what he is. He's a he's a he's a he's a scrappy baseball. Would he player. even be on their playoff like the, roster? I just don't like the probably because wouldn't if you were the Twins, aren't you trying anything at this point? Yeah, to beat the Yankees, like absolutely yeah. anything. And I feel like if you have little toe on your team. You had a better chance. So here's why I – do you remember earlier in the season I mocked the Twins and said I'm, I'm, I will never be afraid of the Twins? I'm pretty sure that's come out of every one of our mouths. No, but like I, I got into any. it with a couple Twins fans who were like, oh, the Yankees buy all their players and then cited Aaron Hicks as a guy that they bought. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 you yeah. don't even know that you traded us, Aaron Hicks. So like right, I, I was that. fighting with a couple of uh, you know all six members of, of Twins Twitter. And so that's the first thing where it's like I've got some – I've got stuff out there on social media that people can old take expose me on. And now this Ronald Torres thing where you're right. If the Yankees do lose to the Twins and Ronald Torres is even on their team, he probably will never even play. But if he's on the bench high-fiving guys, that's going to come back to bite me in the ass when I have criticized <laughs> Ronald Torres on this show for a full season. So if, 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 I see, if I see him on someone's shoulders or pick, being picked up and doing a, a high five to somebody, like, it's going to be a problem. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I feel like there is some, there, there's a little bit of a scrappy good luck charm in that guy. But I'm still, uh, it I makes, it makes me a little nervous. I can't bring myself to really take the twins seriously. And I'm going to be honest. That's the only reason I'm nervous is because of Ronald Torres. And that's not even a real reason. So that says something. It's not a real reason. And <laughs> I think a couple of things. And Nelson Cruz. Couple- Nelson Cruz just mashes the baseball. Well, yeah, he's just a good baseball player. Yeah, and the twins hit a lot of home runs, but so does everyone else. Um, Wild week, though, between Severino returning, and then on the night Severino returns, Dellen Batances goes down. I mean, it's like, can we have nice things for one night? Can, can, can we just not do this again? And for Dellen Batances, I feel horrible for that guy. Um, but I, it was such a fun night on Tuesday because Severino looked good. He comes back. Yeah. Long-awaited start. You, what was the date? September 17th that he's making his first start way later than any of us ever expected. And he goes out there, and the first batter of the game is a 12-pitch walk. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. 
Like, you gotta be kidding me with this. Well, and it was, you could see the frustration level on his face because he wasn't putting the guy away. And, uh, and, you know, it was a good at bat to his credit. But then Severino kind of kind of got in got into his uh, his legs a little bit and the ball started popping out and I uh, got that huge double play that huge ground ball yeah, first inning which, could have been messy because he had the 12 pitch walk a bloop a yep. uh, little bloop single so it's two runners on one out yep and he gets a huge double play but I mean if that's it it, it fired him up it too. fired him up deal. and it was great but like if that uh, who knows if that if something else went wrong in that inning so very happy it didn't uh, I thought O'Neill made a really good point in this game uh, he, uh, on the broadcast, he was like, he just looked in the first couple innings, he couldn't put hitters away. Maybe that means there's not as much life on his pitches, which is natural. I mean, his arm is still building up strength. So I think that's what you saw in a first in those first couple innings where, you know, he would get into deep counts because guys were just getting a piece of his fastball or just getting a piece of his splitter. I don't even, yeah, I don't even think it's arm strength too. I mean, that was one of, they were, they were all talking about this. That was a big topic of conversation, obviously, during the broadcast. Um, and Cohen was talking, you know, the the first thing that comes back is the velocity, the strength of the arm. But it's the touch, it's the it's the feel, it's the the way that the the ball is leaving your fingertips, the the way it's spinning, things like that. All that stuff takes a little bit more time to come back, and that's when you get that late movement. That's when you get the the you know the differences, the tailing, um, you know, feels of the of the fastball, and then this the movement on the slider. So yeah, I, I think it's just him getting into the flow because once he got into it, you started seeing high nineties. You started seeing that fastball just pop out of his hand I mean it was coming out easy the velocity was like very and, and you could see like the, the thing about Severino uh as well as like he has a high 90s fastball but that thing jumps on you too it comes out of his hand so clean um it's just it's nice to see it's nice to see him hit the glove and just have that thing pop and him look like he's feeling good so I, I was uh I didn't really care about what happened I mean granted I, I wanted a positive result. Yeah, I mean, you didn't time, want like, him, to, him get to come shelled. out. That would have sucked, um, yeah, and people would have but, freaked out. But yeah, you're right. Health was the most important thing after that game. Yeah, health, body language, and just kind of like the way he, uh, just the way that he was uh, had a presence up there as well. And I think I think he showed everything we wanted to see. Yeah, and he got through four innings on 67 pitches. He was going to throw about 70. That's pretty efficient, especially when you consider 12 pitches for the first batter. Yeah, um, exactly. He burned a lot of that in that first. So batter. I mean that. I don't know. I mean, we're going to talk about the Yankees pitching plan in this Tom Verducci article, but you, you, we've said a million times, like they're just trying to get everyone to four innings uh, and just compile innings that way. But uh, 67 pitches through four innings is, like I said, pretty efficient. I mean, that's about 100 pitches in six innings, which you're not going to really ask any of the starters to go more than six innings anyway. I don't know if he's going to be worked up to 100 pitches. He could, he could get two more starts uh, before the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, the 22nd against Toronto is when he would line up. And then he, he can pitch in that Texas series uh, on another five days rest, uh, either that next Saturday or Sunday on the last weekend of the season. Because I, I don't expect – do you expect them to pitch Severino in one of the first two games of the division series? Um, yeah, it, I mean – I don't expect it, but I don't. I wouldn't put it past them at this point. I think that if Severino's going really well, it's going to be hard for them to keep him off of the mound. I mean, um, he could actually still pitch, say, next this last Saturday of the season in Texas. He could still be on regular rest for Game Two of the Division Series, which is on a Saturday. So it would be Saturday to Saturday. Yeah, I, I think the um, the <clears throat> what Boone will probably do. 
again, if everybody's healthy and everybody's looking the way that they want to look, is he'll he'll try to tailor it so that someone is pitching at home that is has much better numbers at home. <laughs> that's everybody. Um, <laughs> that's everybody. But but like you you, you look at uh, like Tanaka to me is 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 a guy that you want pitching at home. Okay, but so here's the problem with that. Herman and Tanaka pitch much better at home. Paxton, I don't think Herman's starting a game. Paxton with Severino coming back like this. Paxton is the only one who pitches uh, almost as well on the road as he does at home. But you're not going to yeah. hold Paxton to game three. Right. So Paxton is getting the ball in either game one or two. I would do it in game one. Don't, don't mess around. Don't get cute. You remember when the Indians got cute in the division series in 2017 and threw Kluber in game two? It's like, what the, yes. what the hell are you doing, Francona? Just throw your best pitcher. Like, don't think about it too much. Keep it simple, stupid. Who's your best pitcher? James Paxson. Throw him game one. Then move on. Like, it's not rocket science. I, I mean, I agree with that, too. And, and the thing is, Severino's going to... I hope Severino makes this a, a difficult decision. I hope Severino continues to show, continues to show that he can uh, throw more. In. I think he's going to be damn close to 100 pitches um, by, by the time the, the playoffs start. And... Yeah. You know, you, you move you move forward into that too. Like thinking about if the Yankees can get past the ALDS, like you're going to have practically a fully ready to go Severino by the time the ALCS rolls. Around. Yeah, say he's at 90 pitches for his ALDS start. He could be at 100 pitches for his next outing in the playoffs. If you're at if he's at 90 pitches at this point and he's already well, he's at he's at he's he was at ran. 70 for this game. For this so game, say but, he's at 80 for his next start and then 90 for his last start. Okay, we're, we're, we're really talking about, like, what are we talking about here? It, we're talking you know, about 10 you know, pitches. The, but you know, you I know, know the way they do things, but this, if you're talking about the playoffs and you're talking about 80 or 90 pitches, like, it's the same damn thing. Like, just, just let him go. If, you, if, you, if he could throw 80 pitches and 90 pitches, he could probably throw 100 pitches. Yeah, but, I mean, that's common so, sense, but that is common it's sense. workload that these guys have these formulas where it's like he can only increase 11% per, per Right, start. but I think it's more, it's more about what those pitches mean and, and where oh, they are in the rotation sure. or where they are in the lineup and, and how, what, what the game situation is more than it, it will be played on. Well, he's at 80 pitches, 90 pitches. We got to pull him because of that. I think it's more going to play the situation of what's happening in the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, him throwing 67 pitches against the Angels without Mike Trout on a Tuesday in the Bronx does not have the same stress level as, say, against the uh, Oakland Athletics in game one or two or three of the ALDS. It just doesn't. Right. Yeah, no, no, that's the thing. So I, I'm not going to be so hung on those pitches, but I think they what they are is they're just they're saying, okay, well, today was this. The next one will be this. And, and you know, whether it's – because he could be throwing more pitches before the game as well. He could be throwing – well, uh, who knows if he threw afterwards? Not too many, not too many pitches before the game, but also, or, or not, not, not too a, few, not too few, not too late, um, not too early, just right. But the the other thing is like uh, you know when you're at when you're coming at sixty seven pitches, like how many pitches is you, are you going and throwing in the tunnel afterwards? Are you doing that? Are you what you know? What's the plan outside uh, uh, him being on the mound? Because there very well could have been, um, you know, a handful of pitches thrown underneath that they just didn't talk about. As well, so who knows? But I think that they're they're just game by game going to ramp him up more. And if you look at the body language and you look at the way that Boone and Severino are talking in the in the dugout, like it was all good. Like Severino, I mean, it almost it almost looked like Boone was trying to pull him after three, and you could see that he's like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> no, I'm I'm good." It's like you know, you take the boxer into the corner and you you check his How hands. How many fingers? 
Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I, there's there's clearly two hand, two clearly two fingers. My hands are good. No one's tapping my neck to tell me how many fingers if you're you holding. Throw up. that towel in. I will kill you. The thing that I immediately uh, realized I love so much about Severino, he throws the pitch, he goes back and stands on the top of the mound, and he puts his glove out. He's give me the fucking ball. Yeah. No dicking around. I'm not going to pick my ass and walk around the mound and touch the rosin bag and take 45 seconds. In between. I'm ready to go. I love that. So that's my favorite thing about Luis Severino. Yeah, I mean, I love that about every pitcher who does that. It's, it's, you're, to me, at that point, you're now dictating the flow of the game and you're not allowing any other nonsense to come in. And if you're just taking that much time, a la David Price, and just like sleeping, putting everybody to sleep, I, to me, like, I know that it's effective for that pitcher, or at least they think it is. But in the grand scheme of things, like you're not dictating the, the flow of the game anymore because no. the batter can step out if they want to. They, there could be a number of things that can happen. But if you're going up, getting the ball and going, like you better be ready as a batter. You better be ready as a fielder. You better be ready as everybody's on their toes at that point. So I, I like that. I like that for the, whole, for the whole team. Everybody behind you, too. I think it, it makes everybody more, uh, a little bit more aware. Yeah, and I want to talk about this Verducci article in SI. Uh, he, was, he quoted Aaron Boone, who said, we're going to be a little untraditional. The only one we might use as a traditional starter is Paxton. And then Verducci wrote, by traditional, Boone means a starting pitcher who goes as deep as he can into a game. Otherwise, New York is prepared to script each game with piggybacking starters and six key relievers. That doesn't make the Yankees vul- vul- vulnerable. Why can't Ooh. I say that word? Vulnerable. Vul- vulnerable. It makes them smart. So I tried to think about, okay, pitchers, they'll push deep into the game. Paxton, that's the only one. Pitchers who can go. You say push deep into a game. I think that if they're, if they're cruising, they'll go deeper. There's no pushing I mean, deeper. I mean, okay. When you so say push, it means like extend. I'm taking this by what Verducci wrote and what, okay. based on his conversation with Boone. I guess you could interpret a, quote, traditional starter is literally someone who starts the game. Yeah. So is that how you're taking it? No, no. What I'm saying is the, you're, you're saying pushing deep into a game. When I hear the word push, to me that's saying, well, I'm going to extend this guy. Maybe it's beyond what we want, but I'm going to push him forward because I think he can do that. I, I don't think they're going to push anybody beyond a, a certain limit. Okay. I think there's going to be a limit for every guy. And I think that limit, like when we say push uh, James Paxton – into the sixth inning? Well, so here, so here maybe, maybe let me word it this way. The goal going into the game is for Paxton to pitch six plus. Is that fair? Okay. Yeah. The goal going into the game for the following pitchers is to pitch four plus. Tanaka, Severino, Herman, Hap, even though I put Hap in there, but I don't think he really belongs in that category. Then who, okay, who are guys that we can get two innings, maybe a little over two innings out of? And that's Chad Green, Sabathia, if he's on the roster, Sessa, Loisica, Heller, if those guys are there, those are like... Loisica is not going to be in the in, But what the I'm roster. saying, I, just pitchers who I could see, for whatever reason, being on the roster, guys who can go two-plus innings are those guys. And then the one-inning guys are Chapman, Britton, Adovino, Canely, and no longer Dylan Patances. Oh, that's so sad, because we were going to have him back, and that was going to be awesome. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with that. I think Chad Green is going to be an interesting guy to, to keep an eye on this whole playoffs because we've seen him now go three innings at times. We've seen him go two innings. We've seen him go one inning. We've seen him be an, quote, opener, even though I hate that word. We've seen him, you know, be a, a guy that comes in at the end of the game, and he looks really good. 
<laughs> just just watching the way he uh, is carrying himself right now and the way that that ball is coming out of his hand, he looks really good. And I would not would not be surprised if they used him um, in in any in any shape or form. Like yeah. I could see them going three innings with him. I could see them going one inning in, in and you know towards in a high leverage situation. I think he's a he's very much that that uh, that fire extinguisher that we've talked about in the past, like the 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 um, David Robertson type of. of uh, you know, player but this I don't, year. I think he's going to be that guy. I don't necessarily necessarily see them bringing him in in a in a jam though. Uh, no, I think it would be more of a clean inning. But yeah. it would, but the length is more. I think that he could get up to three innings. I, I think, think they would two be, is the I sweet think Boone spot. would extend him. I'd say two is the sweet spot because in theory you could use him in game two of the DS for two innings, piggybacking off of say Tanaka, and then you could piggyback him with. Um, Herman in game four for another two innings because that's two days off in between those outings for him. Yeah. Two innings, two days off, two innings. Again, I, I don't like the script with the with the relief pitchers. I just I, I don't think they're gonna be going into a um into a matchup with 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 that in mind where you where you're gonna definitely use him for two innings. I think if the game dictates that after a one inning when you bring him in and he's pitching well, and depending on where they are in the lineup and, and if the circumstances are right, you'll you'll push him to another inning because he's going well, and now you can save a guy because this is a a, a very good option. I don't think there's going to be that firm game plan like uh, like we've seen in the past. I I I hope I hope Boone has learned. No, they clearly have a game plan. No, I know there's going to be a game plan, but I'm not saying it's going to be a hard script in the sense that he's going to have to you know uh, go three uh, two today and then two then. I think it's going to dictate the game. And then they'll they'll go off script for whatever whatever happens after that. Yeah, he got burned by that, that last year. Yeah, but he also left too many too. No, guys he got in burned by what there. you just said. Trying to like say, okay, my plan for Sabathia in this game is three innings, so I got to get three innings out of him. I'm gonna stretch him, even though the game's telling me not to stretch him. He got burned by that. He got burned by Severino in game. I'm three. saying the exact opposite. <laughs> I'm saying that I'm saying that if he if Chad Green on on the game two were to go in there and throw. Uh, one inning and look good, he may extend him to a second inning because he looks good. I'm not saying because that's the plan, but I'm saying because on that given day, depending on where they are in the lineup, the way he looks, the way that the catcher is telling me that the ball is feeling and moving and all this crap, they may extend him to a, a, another inning. Yeah. And I'm saying that decision will not be made because he's throwing, uh, because there's a script for him for two days later. No, yeah, yeah. we're saying the same thing. Okay. But <laughs> I, I think that Boone is learning from... I'm, again, I hope that Boone has learned in the sense that like I'm not going to be so rigid on a on a plan. Like right. I don't want a binder. No, he got rid of the binder for a reason. He got exposed with his pitching decisions in the ALDS last year. Boone, did. yes, yes. They, First year manager. Yeah, he and I think doing this, these things. It's part of the reason why he's like these quotes about we're going to be a little untraditional. Like there's been discussions all season, and part of it is this is what the pitching staff has dictated. But part but isn't of, this kind of what tradition is over the past three years? In the playoffs? No. Kind of, I mean, look at what the Red Sox did and what the Astros did two years ago. It's the teams who have won and who have gotten deep into the World Series, like the Dodgers, too. They have traditional starters. They, But they also have their starters that are, are being used as bullpen pieces. And they, they went to, you know, a whole bunch of different pitchers. Um, but no team rather has... Rather than extending guys. No team has won a World Series with what the Yankees are going to try and do this year. Maybe. Even the, we'll even the Royals a couple years ago. People always cite the Royals as like a super bullpen that did exactly what the Yankees are going to try and do this year. No. Go back and look at what happened. They had guys who started normally 
and they would go five innings, and then they would bring their bullpen in. That's not what is going to happen with the Yankees. It's going to be way more fluid than that. Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think part of it, like I just said, is this is the pieces they have to play with. This is what they've learned is the strength of their team, is working pitching like this. But I think as much of it is this is a plan. They, they realize, why did we get bounced in the first round to the Red Sox? Our pitching sucked. Our manager made bad pitching decisions. And it burned us. This is something we got to change going forward. So I think that's why we're starting to hear about all this stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's risky, but at the same time, the only way I see them winning. Yeah. At the same time, it's, it's kind of the way that they've won this season. Right. It's, it's, it's going off of that. That's what I'm saying in the, in the sense that like they're, they're going off script. Like this is the script. This has been the script for them too. Pretty much all year long. It's like, it's still that, that mentality of, well, if this guy isn't going to do it, the next guy will do it. And, and they're, they're using all of the people on their, their, uh, their roster and, and all the people that are active. It's, it's really not 25 that deep, baby. It's a, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stress on the coaching staff and the manager because they have to pull the right decisions at that given yeah, you time. Gotta be and there's going to be a lot of those decisions made. Uh, this conversation. So did you see that? I forget if it was a review of our show or on Twitter where uh, someone, I think it was Twitter. They were like, you guys argue and you're making the same point, but you don't realize you agree with one another and you'll talk for 10 minutes, not realizing you're just saying the same thing in a different way. This conversation reminded me of that. And sorry if there's people out there like screaming at their at their uh, speaker, being like, "You two morons are saying the same thing." See, I don't even think we were saying the same thing, but we were. Uh, I want to talk about Adovino because he had a bit of a meltdown on Wednesday. I feel like we've had a few meltdowns with him. You starting to get a little worried about Adovino? Yeah, yeah. That frisbee <laughs> slider man is is getting it's it's, it's looking like. It's looking like a beach ball right now to me, and, and the um, some of the dumb stuff that's happening out there, it's just be it's just kind of weird. It's like expo- like when you see when you see a person like you're like oh yeah they're really cool, and then you start seeing their quirks, and you're like wait a minute, like well, that's not as cool as it used to be. I mean, obviously you still trust out of you know over Sessa or or some of the well, Sessa looked good last night. Sessa I think good. I think Sessa is going to be on the on the the playoff roster. But when you're we talked about the bullpen hierarchy. Last episode when there was Patances and he's no longer there, but I think Adovino is firmly behind Canely Britton in in pecking order going yeah. into the playoffs. Well, I think they've gone different different ways too. I think Britton has probably become a lot has become a lot more dependable. I think as the season's gone on, he's yep. gotten stronger, yep. and maybe that's maybe that's just more of an evolution of of the player coming back from that from that Achilles, which is. Very troublesome thinking about that because of uh, Batances. Yep. Um, but that's a good comp, actually. But uh, I think that it's a. Uh, um, Although Batances is not as serious as we it's know not now. As serious, but but you know, <clears throat> I don't know what's worse is like having a something that's partially torn and then not having surgery, right, and then maybe or having surgery it and fixing more. it. Yeah, and then and then not. No man's land is kind of like the worst thing with that. Like Tanaka yeah, was kind of in no man's land with his elbow, and he forever pitched, he pitched through it. <laughs> he's pit, he's not stopped. It's crazy. Um. But no, so Britain has gotten there, and then Canley, man, I think I feel like Canley just gets better every day. I tr- just look. I trust he, Canley's Canley. throwing ninety-eight miles an hour now too, and has a wipe away and changeup. He <laughs> is he's reverse. He's a reverse split guy. He's better against lefties. Yeah, because um, of that changeup. Yeah, and he's like a, I think Canley. You mentioned fireman. I think Canley's the fireman if there's a jam and you need strikeouts. Okay, in a uh, in a situational 
for sure. I think if you're looking for someone to steady the game and, and to, to get um, some more depth in that, that's it's Chad Green. But I agree with that. I think no, if like you're fifth for, inning, like, a big right? Strikeout. Fifth inning, first two guys reach. You yeah. need a couple strikeouts. I think you would bring in Canely over Chad Green in that situation. Uh, in the fifth inning, yeah. So then fourth, six, fourth, seven, or, fourth or fifth inning, two man, on, yeah, two men on in a jam. Fourth inning, I think. I, I think fourth inning. I still think that. Why are you uh, letting one? In, why are you letting one inning change who you're gonna? You could lose the game in the fourth inning as much as you could lose the game in the eighth inning. Yeah, I just don't. I think the mentality is they're trying to get they're trying to get some length from that. So guy get out there. of the fourth inning and then bring in Chad Green. See, this is what pisses me off about some managers. And like you just because like it's happened with Boone this year, just because it's early in the game doesn't mean it's not a critical situation. Get it out doesn't of the mean inning that, and then but figure because it's it out a critical situation and, and there's not one person that can get out of that either. Like I still think I mean, if there's me, a lefty up, I'm then not you saying you bring scenario. in Araldus Chapman in third inning or fourth inning. That's not what I'm saying. But I don't think there's much difference. If you need a couple strikeouts to get out of a jam early in the game, Bring in Tommy Canely and then go to Chad Green after that, or then go to Luis Sessa after that. You don't need to just then bring go to Sessa. Oh man! If you need a couple innings, go <laughs> go look. I'm at, just saying the tune has changed with Luis Sessa. Now he's talking about a couple innings in the playoffs. I think he is a diet version of Chad Green. Wow, that's how he's going to be used. Multiple innings in slightly in less leverage than Chad Green will get. I think a lot less leverage. I think you're not going to Luis Sessa in any kind of a leverage situation. If still, I'm not. If you I don't need, think he's there. If you need two innings, as much as I like, as much as I like his stuff and think that he's gotten a lot better this year, I, I still don't think he's there in the pecking order. Well, he's going to be on the roster and he's going to be the last man in the bullpen. So what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, and maybe Heller too. He he kind of looked good in his most recent uh, outing. But if you need multiple innings, Sessa is a guy who can go multiple innings. Britain's not going multiple innings. Uh, on a regular basis. I mean, he can go more than three outs. Adovino can get more than three outs, and so can Canely, but they're not going to be... Because you're not going to be using those guys for two innings. Like, that's yeah, not a plan. I, it depends on what the game situation is, but yeah. I think it would, uh, obviously... But the... Um, I don't know. I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing Sessa there. I think Sessa's going to be one of those guys. If you need a... If you need a, um, a game that's gotten out of hand and you need some innings to, to kill the bullpen, like, that's him. I don't think he's going to be brought in. I think that's I think that's Jay Maybe it'll be very interesting to see how this roster pans out and and how the uh, pitching staff pans out because they're going to need a couple of those long guys for this situation if it were to come up. Because if you don't have that guy, then you're putting your entire staff now at a a handicap and you're you're having a um, there's a very big potential for a problem down the road. Yeah. So and 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 the the percentages just go up of that happening when you're when you're messing around with these uh, starting pitchers only going you know short short outings two three four innings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't don't mistake what I'm saying. Luis Sessa is still the last guy in the bullpen. Uh, Luis Sessa versus Ronald Torres <laughs> uh, on the line. Who you got? Uh, so Sabathia. That's probably the last time we saw him pitch in the Bronx. Got a standing ovation. He's going to get honored on Sunday before the game. Um, he was he got an emotional send off walking off the mound yesterday in the third inning, I believe it was. Yeah, <laughs> with he two a, men. He on. hit a wall. He looked really good for the first two. <laughs> Did he strike um, out the side in in the second? In the second inning, yeah. And he even had like a long peer over towards the the Angels. Well, he was pissed after that bunt. 
Yeah. Well, get I mean, a, this was in the second. This was in the second. Oh yeah, but I mean, in the first. How inning, many times are you going to get pissed off over a bunt and and understand that like the other team knows that you're going to get pissed off at the bunt <laughs> he, and they're just going to keep bunting like that. If I'm being honest, like if I was on the other team and I knew he hated when people do that, I would probably do that. He was. Uh, I was in Midtown during the first inning yesterday, and I felt the ground shake when he belly flopped uh, for that bunt. Yeah. <laughs> he he does not like it and. uh no, I mean, he looked good after two, and then all of a sudden, like, you know. Right, but that's he, if he's on the playoff him. roster, that's him. He should not be on the playoff roster. I don't think he will be either, but if he is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, barely two. Like, I'm not even – that's the thing. Like, you can't trust that second inning either. You can't, you can't, <laughs> you trust, can't trust it. it. Uh, You're rolling yeah, the dice you out there. There's and too he, many – And he doesn't the, even The bring, way that he pitches he, is, too, is too risky because he has to walk guys. And he doesn't even bring value in the sense, like – Okay, we need mop up innings. Let him go out there because he can't do that either. No, he 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 puts a he puts a stranglehold on, on that position. It's a the, wasted roster spot. It's a wasted roster spot. I'd rather Unfortunately. have Luis Sessa in that roster spot. And yeah. and Sabathia will still be in the clubhouse in the dugout, firing guys up, packing massive lips, yelling yeah. at guys. If there's a brawl, should be. if there's an argument with an umpire, let Sabathia go out there. He's retiring. <laughs> Pay his fines. Everyone pitches in a couple thousand dollars to pay his fines. Boom, done. That's what I want Sabathia doing. Absolutely. You see in, you see in football this past week, uh, Roethlisberger go down, right? Now he's like, oh, I'm going to be the quarterback's coach. I'm going to be there helping out everything. Like, that's Sabathia at this point. Yeah. Sabathia just, will not let Luis Severino forget the game time. No, that's a good thing. Well, he might. You know, <laughs> he might be. If he's not pitching on a given day, I don't, I don't know how. How into it he is until the game starts. Uh, Big G was back, too. Uh, activated for Wednesday's game. Double in his first at-bat. A lot of people, when we put out that clip of our show uh, last time, saying uh, who is more key for, for coming back, Giancarlo or Encarnacion, a lot of people disagreed with us uh, because we kind of settled on it. Uh, Stanton is uh, more important because of his value he can provide in left field, whereas Encarnacion's DH first base, which you already have, a lot of people were saying, no, give me Eddie. Yeah, I also think that a lot of people weren't going past the surface on that one. Yeah. And, and when they're doing it, when, when you have a Twitter poll, they don't really, a lot of people don't look into to the other reasons. Because when, when you lay it out, it's very clear what it is. The fact that people have this thing of, of, about Stanton is just, it's just crazy. It pisses me. me off because they treat him like they treated A-Rod. Like he's Shelly Duncan. No, they treat, they treat him like they treated A-Rod pre-2009. Where at least you had multiple playoffs of A-Rod choking and the Yankees getting bounced early. Stanton had one bad playoffs and he uh, didn't play this year. And if, if you're telling me he's going to be out there pretty much in left field healthy for the remainder of the season, there is no way in hell I am not starting him. Right. That is asinine. It, it, it's like the epitome of overthinking anything to, to, the, to the smallest degree. Like you don't have to think about that. That's a plug-and-play player. You put him in. He's healthy. You play him. That's what you do. He's literally an MVP from not that long ago, th- two years ago. Right. It's not so, like he won the MVP in 2005 and he's right. now Albert Pujols. That's not right. who we're talking about. No, 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 no. This is a guy still in his peak. And when I'm looking at him, I said I wanted to watch him. I wanted to see what he looked like throughout, uh, you know, just to put some eyes on him because we hadn't put eyes on him in a long time. There's, there's been so many things that we've talked about him. Like it, I remember talking about not knowing what, what to expect from him, but at the same time, in the same breath, saying I would not 
it would not surprise me if we came out and he was completely healthy and looked totally normal mm. because I'm not sure he was really that injured for as long because we don't know what he was. We don't know what we have really. no idea what was going on. Yeah, we don't know what so, the injuries So were, when really. I see him out there and he looks like a very normal, healthy player looking like he's moving around in left field no problem, throwing the ball with no problem, had a good throw to home plate that probably should have been uh, you know, a put out at the plate mm. if Romain holds on or Higgy holds on to that ball. You know, he moved around fine. Like I thought the he looked okay at the plate. Had roped the double his first at bat. He looked he looked fine. He looked like Stan. Right. L- looked like there were no uh no holdbacks at all. If he's healthy, he's on the never sit list in the playoffs. Definitely. Especially with the situation in left field. Right. And like everybody's like, oh, Cameron Maben. Cameron Maben is a nice player and he's done a really good job, but his wrist is also, I think, somewhat of an issue at this point. <laughs> you could see him out there a couple days ago, you know, messing around with it. And Love you, Cameron. Mean it. But Giancarlo's better. Like, oh, I mean, that's not even a question. <laughs> and he would be the first to be like, why are you playing me? Stan's right yes. there. Right, so, exactly. I'll, like, be the back, I'll be the backup outfielder if you need me, but play that guy. Right. Uh, no, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. Like, he, he adds another dynamic to your team, and it's, he's adding the flexibility by being a starting left fielder. If you have yeah, Encarnacion in there. Your outfield goes from a weakness with Mabin or Tyler Wade or Clint Frazier starting in left field to a strength with Stanton, Judge, and Gardner in center field. Yes. Like, it, it's not a question. So I was thinking about the lineup. Uh, I don't think it's too early to start talking about the postseason lineup. Shit, we've been talking about the postseason since... I mean, that's what we're all August looking 1st. at, right? There's nothing else. Um, so we just talked about the outfield. The infield is Glaber and LeMahieu always play. Yeah. Didi, Voigt, Urshela on a rotation basis. Which is crazy when you look at what Urshela has done this year because Urshela is a, uh, an impact player. Um, and I know there's, there's, a, there's a, a camp out there that wants Glaber at short and, and Didi as the, uh, the guy that doesn't start every single game because Urshela has been that good. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the numbers and you take away the names of the players and who they are, it's, it's not uh, a difficult argument, honestly. Like You look yeah. at the numbers. And the Didi's numbers been the speak. worst hitter on the team, minimum 100 plate appearances this year. The numbers speak volumes, but you know... Y- if you guys, the people that listen to this show, and you know me as, as well, uh, like I, I just like Didi being out there. I Fair. like him being out there, and I like the way that he hits in big situations. And I think that's a real thing. So Fair. But nerds won't, won't agree. He was hitting fourth last night and third the night before. He should not be hitting there in the playoffs. I agree with that. I don't like the fact that – I don't think that stacking is a problem. Uh, the, the whole stacking the lineup thing. Not a problem. Like, the fact that he's a lefty... Oh, yeah, that's why... I mean, people are like, no, you need that lefty bat uh, yeah, that, splitting that, up the right. that's not a thing. No. That's not a thing anymore. Give me LeMahieu... Don't overthink it. Just, like, don't overthink anything else with Paxton or Stanton. Give me LeMahieu. Give me Judge. Give me Glaber. If Gary's healthy, give me Gary. If Stanton's healthy, give me Stanton. All those guys need to be getting more at-bats than Didi in the playoffs. You know, the whole lefty... The, the, that, that whole situation, was it was so big, like... In the early 2000s, I'd say when you had these like really, really big power hitters, these right, uh, these left-handed power hitters, and then you had guys like Mike Myers and like these dedicated lefty guys that would come in for one person and one person only. Like that, that guy doesn't really exist as much in today's baseball. There's, there's a multiple. Oh, I mean, it's definitely going um, away next year if there, if it still does exist. Yeah, but there's a multitude of guys that now that uh, there, there's just not that one lefty specialist. I, I, you're seeing it less and less. You're seeing more guys that can can do. Uh, more flexible things. So I just don't think it's as big of a, a big of a problem as it has been. And when your strength is all right-handed power hitting, and that's where your clear strength is, 
put your best hitters up. Yeah, people are like, oh, it didn't work last year when you stacked Judge and Sanchez and Stanton. But this year, you're also, you have LeMahieu in the mix. You have Gio Urshela in the mix, who, if you, if, so do you realize Gio Urshela has been the best hitter on the Yankees? He's, he's definitely up there. It's, it still baffles I mean, my mind when I see depending his numbers on, I mean, you look at batting average, no. But uh, WR, actually, no. Is he up there? Because batting, batting, batting average yeah, is up Yeah, batting there. average is up there. But WRC plus is what I was sorting it by. Gio Urshela is first. Didi Gregorius is last. Okay. I mean, I, I, like, I, I know that, there's a, there's the, that it's out there. But it doesn't have to be. It, you're, you're also putting in a, a number of things. You're putting in Glaber at... Um, shortstop now as well, and you're putting LeMahieu at second base. So theoretically, like defensively, are you better or worse when when uh, when you have Glaber over at short? No. Also, Glaber hasn't been playing short very much well, at all this season. So I don't want him over there. Uh, I saw this on the uh, the Yes uh, broadcast. They said, "What's the best defensive infield for the Yankees?" And they got it wrong. They said Urshela. At third, Didi at short, Glaber at second, LeMahieu at first. That's not the best defensive infield. The best defensive infield is not starting Glaber Torres. But that is not happening. Because Glaber Torres is probably the weakest defender in the infield. Well, taking out first base, because when you take but out... first you, base isn't as important. You put Encarnacion at first base, he's actually slightly above league average. for, yeah. and, and that is but a better defensive... But Encarnacion doesn't exist right now. That is a better... Uh, that is a better situation if you have premier defense up the middle with LeMayhew at second and uh, Didi at short. But that's not going to happen. You're not sitting Gleyber Torres. No, you're, you're not. So, but you also, so the other thing is, gotta, is it change, when you're looking at defense, it changes if you have Voight over at first base. Oh, yeah, Voight's uh, terrible. Next to Encarnacion. Because right now, Encarnacion's not, not a player. So until he is a player, that's not a scenario that, that anybody can look at. Because Voight is... Not a good defender. No, nope. terrible He's defender. Very bad. And that people case, are people are always like flashing when he flashes. Well, the reason he dives and makes plays occasionally is because his feet don't work and he has to dive to get to those balls. Yeah, no. So like they're glorified for 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 bad reasons because his footwork is terrible. Right. So in that sense, Lemayhu would be the better option at, at first base. But you're not you're not going to get many. You're not going to sit Lemayhu. You're not going to sit Glaber. So they're always playing. So Glaber yeah. is probably always playing at. Uh, Second, and LeMahieu yes. is either playing first or third. And right. Didi, I think, even though I would consider sitting him in certain situations and putting Glaber at short for a game, or, or in the middle of a game, you do a rotation where you, you shift guys around, I could see that happening. But I'm not suggesting you bench Didi, but you also don't bat him third or fourth. You, you put him seventh or eighth and, and, or ninth. That's where he belongs in the lineup right now with how he's been hitting. You know, all the analytics guys, when you're looking at the numbers and you're trying to make decisions based on a computer game, you're, and you're also not looking at the fact that you sit DD for a, a game, now you're starting shortstop. Who is your starting shortstop? Let's, let's all be very clear about that. He is the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. He has been. Uh, there, there, nothing has changed that. Whether his numbers are proving that he's been the guy that we all expected or not, there's a tone set when you're not starting him at shortstop as well. An internal tone. And if you don't think that matters, then I think, I think you're looking at numbers too much. Because while the numbers are important in the sense that they can dictate who plays um, and who matches up well, I think that there is an absolute tone that can be set by not starting DD at shortstop because of that. Maybe. And I, and I, and I don't want to mess with that. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not, I wouldn't mess with it. I'm not benching them either. Um, 
All right, but it's poor Dylan Patances. Uh, <laughs> this sucks for so many levels, but I mean, the Yankees can still win a World Series without Dylan Patances. Would he be nice yeah. to have in the bullpen? Absolutely. But I mean, this guy, he throws eight pitches this season and he's going into a free agent year now with a partially torn Achilles that might need surgery. His, he's never really got a big paycheck that he deserves for being one of the best relievers in baseball since, uh, like, for five years, six years. He's been the best reliever in baseball, or one of the best relievers in baseball, and he hasn't gotten really paid yet. Right. He's not going to get paid this offseason. He's going to get a prove-me contract. <clears throat> yeah, or unless someone goes out on a limb, and it's not going to be to what he would get if he were healthy. The Yankees obviously. are not going to go out on a limb for him. If he wants to stay with the Yankees, if he wants to stay with the Yankees, he's going to be taking a one-year prove-me contract. Maybe there's a team that gets desperate and gives him a couple years with an option, and he could go and take it, and I wouldn't fault him for it. But if he's still pitching for the Yankees, it's a prove-me. Yeah. Or there's a, you know, more on the incentives. Yeah. More on the incentives, more on the length, less on the AAV, similar to what Hicks got, not to that extent, but. You know, in structure, if you're looking at the, the the way that those deals were made, you have a guy that's, um, you know, nearly not proven to be healthy, but at the same time, you're getting length and security. Could be a, a way that they go because you're seeing those contracts more. It's harder to do that, I think, with a relief pitcher, especially on a bad Achilles. But um, I could see him getting a type of offer. You know, it's not not to the extent of uh, what was six, seven years, six, well, seven no, years. You're not going to pay a 31 year old reliever. For no, seven that's years. the point. But but it'll be it would be somewhere like three to four years. I could see something like that. Um, either way, the it's a bad situation for him and his and his his ability to um, make money in in baseball. It's just a bad. It, it, everything has gone poorly as far as off the field with the scenarios for him and any kind of leverage. It's all gone. And like, how did this happen? Landed awkwardly on the mound. Is it when he skipped off when he thought he ended the inning? Is that when it I happened? I watched that video like a hundred times. He smiled I, walking off the mound. So I think that it's it got. There's a strain when you when you hear a, a partial tear like to me that's not like a full that's not a full pop right you're not you're not feeling no. that you're feeling like a strain like a like a ooh like what what was that type of like, thing like oh and, I might have turned my ankle there it'll be fine yeah, but right so when you hear partial torn Achilles I think it sounds worse than what what it would feel like because um, I feel like it's probably way more sore the next or like a little bit after that you have that adrenaline you're not feeling much at that point your first two your your back like. You're, you're pumped up. You're excited. Like, you're probably not feeling that much. So I couldn't really see much in there. Well, it like, might there not have been on that exact play. It could have just been right, on, a, been from on one, of a pitch, one of the pitches he threw. No, exactly. It could have been from before. And, and that's the, uh, the, the most obvious thing to look at. It very well could have. The damage could have been done before that, for sure. Um, but no, it's fluky. It's just like a weird. It's a, it's, a, it's, like a, it's a weird thing. It would really suck if that's the last he ever pitches for the Yankees. Yeah. It would, it would. It's it's uh it's not a good way to go out. It's really unfortunate. It really is because he's such a good dynamic player too, and the guy that's been a homegrown guy that you want to see you do well as a fan, uh, like he's that guy. And, uh, and 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 the fact that he's gotten kind of a raw deal, yeah, with uh, a, with management, not with management, publicly with, with ownership, with ownership, bad mouthing him in arbitration. Like who's we, a kid, a New York guy? Like this is a. This is a New York guy through and through. Yeah, like, like everything know, about him is the Yankees. Know your fan base. Everyone loves Dylan Batances. And I've seen some some jackass takes saying, oh, the Yankees don't need Batances anyway. He melts in big spots. These were the same people probably already penciling him in for the seventh or eighth inning after he struck out those two batters in Toronto. So it's like, yeah, my no, it's how things batters, change the, quickly. 
It's the batters who melt when they see that curveball and think it's a fastball coming at their head. Yeah, he's struggled in certain situations, um, as has pretty much every reliever. But he's had some high-profile meltdowns for the Yankees when he got his shot at, at being a closer a couple different times. And, you know, maybe that blew his chances. Maybe he blew his chances with the Yankees by melting down in those situations. But it doesn't change the fact that he's been an absolutely filthy reliever for them for a long time. And... And it would suck if this is the last we see him. Yeah, um, I agree. All right. So a couple more games at home. They're going to clinch uh, at home. Uh, hopefully it's tonight. Uh, Tanaka's on the mound. I actually wanted to talk about this too. So Tanaka's pitching Thursday night. If you extrapolate that to game one of the ALDS, that's Tanaka's start. Does that mean anything? No, I think it's too far away to, to make that. To make that call as far as you're talking about like the, the way that the days play out. Yeah, because obviously yeah. he would get one more start uh, next week. But if you play it out, like count one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, it lands yeah, but Tanaka's on Tanaka's a guy one. that they have no problem extending uh, a, a day or two and, and being totally fine. Yeah, so. I mean, I was just thinking, talking about the pitching again and not being traditional, but, but Paxton being the only traditional starter, do they do a piggybacking with Tanaka in game one and then say, Paxton, game two is yours? Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it's possible that they could do that. I, I don't think – I wouldn't be surprised if, if Paxton were in one or two. Uh, but here's the problem with that. If you're doing that, then you have to potentially do piggybacking in four out of five ALDS games. I mean, isn't that what the whole conversation was? Is this whole piggybacking thing going to be a thing besides Paxton? Yeah, but if you start okay. Paxton in game one, in theory, he pitches one and five. And you're piggybacking well, and, three games. Fine, but you're, you're also you're going too far into that in the sense that you're expecting now six to seven innings for him and it's very, well, very possibly not going to be that case. Like, let's all, be, let's all be very realistic. If he doesn't come out there and just utterly dominate, he's not going to get that far. But it's got to be domination. Like it's it's got to be so very clear that he's on and and nobody can touch him in that given day to go that far. So this is why I'm thinking what he meant by traditional is not deep into games. It's literally starting the game. Maybe, but I but then you're now you're also you're messing with things that you haven't done. In, in uh, Tanaka's never been the second out of the out of. In you're the game. messing with things that have not happened this year. So Severino I, I think, hasn't. Right. I think there's too many things. I think there's too much reading into to what he's saying in the sense. That's why I'm talking about, like, I don't think it's that, that far off base of what Houston did and what the Red Sox have done. You're going to have a starting pitcher. Then you're going to have other guys who come in and maybe they're not a, a typical relief guy or could be a starting pitcher coming in a little earlier. Why do we have to put labels on things, man? Let's just call them all pitchers. They're all pitchers in reality. Oh, it drives me nuts. But I, I think that everything has to go beautifully for Paxton to get to that 6th and 7th inning. Like, it's got to be, like, very, very good. What do you think the Yankees do for Sabathia in that ceremony? Um, they're going to give him some kind of a gift. They'll, they'll do, uh, you know, probably a, a large donation to, to the uh, Legacy CC, the, the, uh, the foundation. It'll be a big check. They'll stroll some guys out there. Um, mm. You know, you think we'll, they do we'll any, see some, the family come out. I'm expecting like some video montage of every yeah, yeah. single time he was brawling and yelling and getting a big strikeout in the 09 playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Um, do you think anyone shows up from that, uh, from that from championship 09? team? Well, I think that... Like who's in the area? Mariano's think, in well, the area. Mariano's a big guy. Teixeira's I mean, in the area. Isn't he Connecticut? 
Yeah, but him and Tashera were boys. Uh, I think Pettit Pettit's the guy. Pettit was at the um, at the gala that they had. Yep. Like Pettit Pettit's been very vocal in that whole in in the whole CC transition. I think Pettit's played a very big role in the way that he has um, you know continued his career with the Yankees. I'm talking about CC. Yep. And I, so I think Pettit's that that probably that like that guy that that's uh, you know on Hand, the Yankees hands him the check maybe. Yeah, he he would go out there. I Ceremony. could see like talking to him and and doing maybe AJ Burnett comes back. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that'd be fun. <laughs> the two guys maybe the they're reunited from. They from can the, redo uh, that picture that they took in front of the uh, yeah original Yankee Stadium out. before it was uh you know actually opened. They did it when they signed those guys. I'll never forget that picture of them two standing like uh, on the on the uh, right up on the top step of the dugout, and everyone was like, "Oh, finally, we see the inside of Yankee the, the new Yankee Stadium." Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think they'll, they'll throw some guys out there, but I think it will mostly be about the the foundation, the support for that. His family, who has been a big focus, uh, will be will be highlighted, I think. And uh, yeah, I think it'll just be a, a nice way to, to say thank you to a guy that's been really a, a, a huge part of this team for 10 years and, and came in with a, a freaking blaze winning a championship and then has a, a guy that, that, you know, we've all lived through uh, his struggles. I mean, they've been very public and very out there with yeah. with his his battle with alcohol, um, the battle with you know his weight, the battle with him not being a good pitcher and then reinventing himself, a la Andy Pettit. So I think that there's a lot of like a lot of that where the Yankee fan base has gone through ups and downs with a guy on a personal level as well. Um, so I think this is going to be a, a big a thank you yeah. from 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 the fans and from the organization. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, next episode, uh, we will record on Sunday, so submit your mailbag questions for that Monday episode at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can also call up the voicemail line. It's 646-480-0342, and we will talk to you Monday. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.